Last time we were talking about Rio, we were talking about cake, uh, eating too much cake randomly, uh, probably taking substances that we, you know, if we were good human beings, we probably shouldn't be taking, but you know, hey, when in Rome, or in this case, when in Rio, Carpe Diem, Caesar Day. But we were getting into the routine. We'd seen all the Greek games. We'd seen England get knocked out. That was a, a big sack of crap. And we used the days off to go and see a few other things, see a few other bits and pieces. Sugarloaf Mountain, fantastic. That I mean, the whole of Rio is, is beautiful to look at. But Sugarloaf Mountain, we went very early in the morning. By the way, that's a top tip. If you are in a place where you know that there's a very popular exhibition or a very popular thing to go and see, do it very first thing in the morning because you beat the traffic, you beat all the people there pretty much, and it gives you a bit more ambiance, a bit more peace and quiet, uh, which could be quite useful at the best of times. Sugarloaf Mountain was was wondrous. Again, with most of the Rio weather, it was about 25, 30 degrees. It was sunny. The sunglasses were on. We had a right old laugh. We were up there for four or five hours. And we were laughing because on the way back, uh, all the... Uh, you know, cable cars going down were quiet, but it was heaving for people going up to uh, Sugarloaf Mountain. For Christ the Redeemer, we decided to do that late in the evening uh, to watch the sunset uh, over uh, the Bay of Rio de Janeiro and the surrounding hills and favelas. And again, there's just something awesome about a sunset anyway, but when, when you're on top looking underneath a big statue of Jesus, it uh, just makes it feel even more special. We also went to a little island in the middle of uh, the bay and it's a very strange place because it took about an hour to get there by boat you're not really out of rio at all but you're in the, the middle of this bay uh, or this island in the middle of i think it's guanabara i think it's guanabara bay is, is the bay around rio i went to this island called um, ila de paqueta couple of roads on there, lovely beaches, not a lot going on. I mean, it feels like island life. You can have a look out and you can see in the distance, you can see, you know, Rio de Janeiro. You can see on the other side, um, I think it's called Niteroi. You can see the massive, the Rio Niteroi bridge. Uh, you can see uh, in, in the distance as well. But it's island life. This was peaceful. You know, we'd gone out first thing in the morning and we spent all day there. Not a lot going on. Walking up and down the streets, chatting with the locals, looking at some historical forts as well, cup of coffee, looked at some monkeys as well, because uh, they were roaming on the island. Just absolute ambiance. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. Got introduced there to a very dangerous substance uh, called Dulce de Leche, uh, which is basically super condensed milk. It, it tastes like caramel and it is delightful thinking if you had a bit of a Dulce de Leche and Kendall mint cake, you might end up in a diabetic coma. But Dulce de Leche, my word, I, I literally I could have that with everything in life. I'd have it on my cereal. Uh, people actually had it in their coffee. They mixed it in in their coffee. I'd have it on cereal. I'd have it on steak. Yeah, you name it. That stuff is... Mm, love that stuff, me. Food is always good fun abroad. As you'll find out with some of the stories we've got coming up, as well. But yeah, this Isla de Paqueta, it was great to get a boat there, about an hour each way, middle of nowhere. It was wonderful. The ambiance was fantastic. And it actually refreshed us. You know, getting back into Rio life, it refreshed us. 
Something else cool about Rio, don't know if they do it now, but all the uh, sort of the major roads are closed on Sunday mornings. And uh, that allows people to play football in the street, do whatever they need to do. It allows people to, you know, do a lot of skateboarding, cycling, you know, just aims to get people out and about there, you know, and that, that was a good experience. It didn't get anything like that in this country, but that was, you know, for Brazil, that was, again, little culture things like that were, you know, mesmerising to us. We're lucky enough to see Brazil, uh, sorry, France play Germany in the uh, quarterfinal at the Maracanã. So again, we got lucky with how the, the draw had worked out. So they were the two teams that we were going to see. Now, the Maracanã isn't quite what it used to be. Um, it's very famed for being built for the 1950 World Cup. And then nearly 200,000 people uh, witnessed uh, Brazil lose in that game to Uruguay which ultimately cost them the 1950 World Cup. It's pretty much like the World Cup final. They lost 2-1. Uruguay uh, went and won the World Cup by winning that game. And um, yeah, apparently the, you know, that's like the death of Brazilian football, uh, 1950. Uh, Brazilians love their football and it's something that uh, people still find, apparently, still find very difficult to talk about, even though it was 1950. I suppose it's like England winning the World Cup in 66. We'll probably be talking about that for a very, very, very long time. The stadium's been remodelled and rebuilt as such. It's still a fantastic stadium, knowing that you're, you're sitting on history. And the game between France and Germany was good. Uh, we'd gone with the... The person that had given us the flat for the six weeks, um, him and his son, we met up, we had a beer. Of course, his son didn't, but the rest of us had a beer. Uh, watched Mads Hummels um, head Germany into an early lead and they ended up winning the game 1-0, which meant that they went on to play Brazil in the semi-final. Other things we'd done between then and the semi-final, looked at the carnival site in Brazil, uh, went into uh, the foot of a couple of Favelas didn't really go into favelas. Uh, we didn't really want to do it at all. Uh, just wasn't something that we wanted to do. Uh, we took a few cable car rides, as well as look, walking around uh, Ipanema Beach, uh, walking around the massive lake, uh, the Lago Rodrigo de Freitas. Just did a lot of walking, watching football. That was about it. Got to World Cup semi-final. Uh, Brazil versus Germany. Now, this is a Brazil team without their star defender, I think, Thiago Silva. Or they might have been without Thiago Silva and Neymar. Whatever it was, they were missing a couple of people. And, and again, it's not a great team on paper, but you've got home advantage. And home advantage in major tournaments is massive, as England just found out in 2020. Um, albeit, we didn't win the tournament. Brazil, Germany. Germany are on good form. Germany are Germany. You know they're going to be ruthless. Aaron and I hadn't seen anything about them in in the quarterfinal game that made us think they would be ridiculously dangerous. I guess part of what I'm just about to say, but if anything, Germany looked efficient. We looked at the weather forecast. We decided and debated whether or not to go down to um, Copacabana to watch the game. We thought this would be, you know, Brazil win that game. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be parties everywhere. But we looked at the forecast and the forecast was for heavy rain. I believe the game was being played in Belo Horizonte anyway. We're in Rio. Decided against going to the beach just because of the sheer heavy rain. And when it rains out there, it pours. Hindsight's a good thing because it was probably one of the best decisions we made for two reasons. Number one, it absolutely hammered down for most of the game. 
again this is in Rio it absolutely hammered down for most of the time secondly Germany were about 5-0 up after half an hour the game ended 7-1 now 7-1 in, in, in any football game is a big score in a World Cup it has happened before there's been higher scores but not between two heavyweights of, of football Brazil in their own country the Brazilian home of football semi-final World Cup it was bad enough losing the semi-final but 7-1 7-1 against Germany after the game we didn't go out I mean, it was hammering down as I said but we popped our head out the window silence the rain battering down onto rooftops all the flags that people had been hanging out their windows they were gone deadly silence even the following two or three days silence nothing and nada the streets were quiet it was eerie it was almost like Rio had been turned into a ghost town surreal is how I would describe that it picked up again though on World Cup final day that was the 13th of July we'd gone out for a few celebratory beers the night before I went to a place or an area called Leper uh, which is quite uh, well known for almost being like the party zone there's a massive aqueduct there a really white aqueduct which is quite an interesting thing to see we'd gone there uh, we'd had a few beers had a laugh saw in the birthday by listening to a Nirvana cover band I think it was and we decided for the final that we would go and watch it on the beach. Uh, the forecast was better. The final was in Rio de Janeiro anyway. And it was Germany. Surprise, surprise, because they just beat Brazil against Argentina. Now, I guess from an English point of view, we've got mixed views on Argentina. Uh, they've probably got very mixed views on us as well. A lot of history there. Not just the Falklands. Uh, you're talking you know, World Cups, Hand of God. Yeah, Beckham kicking out at Simeone. Yeah, you name it, it's probably happened between England and Argentina. We weren't expecting the amount of Argentinians to be, or that amount of Argentinians to be in Rio de Janeiro. There, we'd heard stories that people have been uh, travelled up just from Buenos Aires, just for the, just for the final. You know, for Argentina, this was number one. It was a chance to watch Messi win a World Cup, a major international tournament. It was a chance to see. Brazil, uh, Argentina win a major competition in their enemy's backyard. I mean, that's like England going to win the World Cup in Argentina or, you know, going to win something in France or Germany. You know, the amount of, uh, you know, pride you get from that is incredible. The beach was flooded with Argentinians. Argentinians everywhere. All done in the Argentinian shirt. Fair play to them. So we said, and not for the first time on the trip, we said for the ease of things, we will speak English, but if we're asked, we're from Scotland. We kind of worked on the assumption that people wouldn't necessarily know a Scottish accent. We said we went on that assumption, but we also, not because we are afraid to turn around and go over English, it was more common sense. If you are surrounded by, I don't know, 50 to 100,000 Argentinians, you know, and everyone's had a drink and, you know, you say something you shouldn't say and they find out you're English, you could end up in a lot of hot water uh, and you're heavily outnumbered. So we said, you know, if anyone asks, we're Scottish, end of. We didn't have any issues, uh, but Argentina didn't win the game. Germany won the game. Uh, they scored quite late on. 
And there were pockets of the beach that were celebrating. There were a few Brazilian fans around and about that were celebrating. Fewer Germans around and about that were celebrating as well. Final whistle went. And again, it was very similar. It's very eerie. Yes, there were pockets of Europeans that were celebrating the fact that a European team won. But mostly it was deadly silent. The Argentinians couldn't believe it. Their destiny had been ruined. They weren't winning the World Cup in Brazil. Lionel Messi wasn't winning that trophy at all. In fact, spoiler, he only won his first international honour in 2021 in the Copa America. So that's all gone. Deadly silence. A couple of fights broke out uh, between uh, some Germans and some Argentinians. Nothing ridiculously major, but, you know, those things happened. And that was it. That was the World Cup done. Germany had won. Congratulations to them. They were the best team. They won the tournament. They humiliated Brazil. Pretty much caused the death of football number two in Brazil. And that it was all done. It was all done and dusted. We knew that our time was coming to an end. Uh, we had one more day of, of leisure before um, getting on the road and heading down to Sao Paulo. But before we head to Sao Paulo, uh, just a Another antidote, uh, another something that happened that you might think is a bit crazy. And to this day, no one's been told this. Um, but we were effectively uh, robbed or someone tried to rob us at gunpoint on Copacabana Beach. And this was a few weeks into the World Cup. We'd gone down to the beach to watch a game because the weather was good. No idea who it was. We had a couple of beers. Nothing ridiculous. A couple of beers. Uh, we had enough for um, the train ride uh, back up to the Airbnb. Uh, but rather than deal with the nearest tube station, because you know, it was always way too busy, we decided to walk down the beach, cut in and go to the next tube station. So picked up our flip-flop, started walking down the beach. It was just two of us, again, a couple of beers, nothing major. And this guy's come up to us, started shouting us in what I assume was Portuguese. And he's got, he's got his hand up his shirt and he looks like he's making a, he looks like a gun. We're not too sure here. We're not going to start debating it, you know, in the middle. It's clear that he understood a bit of English, but we had no idea what he was saying. We kept walking, kept walking. Uh, he was getting a bit more agitated. We could see that what we assumed was a gun moving up and down, not looking too healthy there. And um, he just pointed at us, pointed at us. We kind of stood there for a second, a bit, a bit of shock horror. But okay, there were two relatively big lads, no need to panic. Well, what do we do here? Well, not going to go beat him up. Because, you know, that gets us into all sorts of trouble. We take him on and we beat him, but we're not going to do that. So, right, okay. Thankfully, we'd also learnt a bit of a trick as well. Um, now, I'll hold my hands up to this. That in order to keep things safe and secure as possible, and we took minimum cash out with us, no phones, no nothing. The house key was, or the key for the um, apartment we'd left with security. So no issues there. We had about a, a couple of notes on us. I'll put, I'll put, they were down my pants, basically. So if anyone was frisking us or looking at us or went in our pockets, there's fuck all in there. So we just kind of looked at each other. This guy's looking at us. He's red in the face. He's holding something underneath his thing, which we, we believe is a gun. He looks like a gun. Doesn't look like his fingers, put it that way. It's not like he's trying to do that. Looks like a gun. So we've just gone, look, in no uncertain terms and in very English of us, We've, we've just stood there. We've emptied out our pockets. There's nothing in them. So we've emptied out our pockets, kind of put our palms out, as you do, because it, you know, body language-wise, that kind of simple, you know, says, look, I'm harmless. You know, my palms are open to you. We're harmless. And we, we both just told him to fuck off very loudly, 
by along the lines of something like, mate, we've got nothing in our pockets, we're hiding nothing, we've got nothing to give to you, pointed and just went fuck off. And he's looked at us, he, now he probably understands what this means, he's looked at us and he's looked a bit confused and he doesn't know what to do. Because I think he's thinking he's in for a good payday, he's in for a couple of phones, he's in for some wallets, he's in for some ID, he's having a great evening. We literally have nothing on us apart from a couple of notes that are down my pants. So we have this Mexican standoff for about another 30 seconds and it's tense, I'm not gonna lie. It's dark, it's not very well lit, no one's really seeing what's going on. We've got the sea behind us, big burly guy in front of us. Bit of an issue here. We've told him to fuck off. Pockets out, arms out, nothing going on. And thankfully, to this day, very thankfully, he's turned around and he's done one. We done what we could do. We just carried on, we just carried on walking. Carried on walking. Now probably the beer in us made us tell him this guy to F off. The beer in us probably done that. But I won't lie, got back to the old uh, Airbnb there. We're a bit, bit shaken up. So we had another beer. Had a chat about it and you know kind of sat down and said, look, well played. You know, first of all, well played. We're both still alive. We're both still happy days, well done. But also realise that's the importance of taking advice. And going back to the previous episode, we were told explicitly, when you go to the beach, you take nothing that you don't need, you don't be flashy, don't take too much cash, take what you need, carol clips, followed by rule number two, always look like you know where you're going, golden rule of property. And it worked out for us that time. Again, having taken the lessons, we got away with it. Still maintained to this day, we, we got away with it. So yeah, uh, we were attempted, um, someone attempted to mug us at gunpoint and, um, you know, courageously, uh, we told him to F off and he did, thankfully. Uh, and what was can only be described as what looked like a real gun underneath his shirt. That's the sort of thing that happens when you get traveling. <laughs> if that's ever happened to you, do let us know. Um, you know, it's, it's just bizarre. It, weird sharing that story, but it is what it is. But next time we motor on to Sao Paulo, we motor on through the rest of Brazil. So are we gonna get mugged at gunpoint again? There's only one way to find out. Hasta luego.